When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Because it was like, if I am going through this, how many women out there are going through this? Michelle. Oh, oh, sorry. Do, the, do that again. <laughs> hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, good. I just spent the weekend with Lindsay's family in Golden, British Columbia. Yeah. How was that? It was really good. The mm-hmm. house that we stayed at was like a little more dilapidated than it was last year. Like we stayed at the same house last year and like we got there and the dishwasher there was a sign that says do not use and then the microwave had a sign that says do not use oh there was just like some funny things that we were like what's happened here it's been a whole year and maybe the guy just did not do any maintenance to the property right but it was all right like it's hard to find a place that can suit there was like i think 23 of us oh my god Mm -hmm. that's a lot wow that's awesome yeah. How was your weekend? Yeah. Busy. My whole week actually was really busy. I worked, but then I also had an appointment on Tuesday and then we had three appointments on Wednesday and then we had three appointments yesterday. And so it's just been like appointments like crazy. We went and saw the school on Friday. It's really cute. Like it's smaller than the other school. Yesterday we had a three hour therapy appointment for my youngest three. So it's been busy. Really busy. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a lot. Life is busy when you're just one human between the dentist, the eye doctor, the regular doctor. Hopefully you're seeing a mental health specialist. Mm -hmm. That right there. What did I say? Eyes, teeth, body, brain. That's four appointments that you need to have like semi-regularly. Yeah. But now you times it by six if you count you and the five kids. And my only days off are Wednesdays. So like everything has to be done on a Wednesday. So it doesn't yeah. make for a really fun day off, but that's okay. They should have, I'm sure this exists somewhere, but they should just have one professional tower that has like a dentist, an eye doctor, a regular GP and therapy be there for three hours yeah, and just get her done. Yep. That's what we're doing with the therapy. Like we're doing three back-to-back sessions. So we're there for a long time, but it's the best way to schedule them all on the same day. And yeah. get it done. Yeah, it's just been a lot. And then I went over to Superstore. I had to get some stuff for, because I've got three birthdays next weekend. <sighs> Julia and the twins, both, and or all three. And so we're doing a little birthday party for them. So I had to go get stuff for that. Had to what get. are you doing a birthday party? I already told you about it. 
Oh, like on the Monday. Sorry. I like felt left out just for a minute. There. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So just a lot of, I don't know, tying up a lot of loose ends of getting school stuff and all the stressful things before school starts. Yeah, I hear that. And then you said you decorated the girls' room today? Yeah, they, we've just had like decorations boxed up that we haven't looked at uh, since we yeah. moved. And I had some picture lead shelves, so I hung those up in their room and we put some of their stuff on the shelves. And I got them a cute little rug from Superstore and a few pillowcases that just went on our like existing pillows just to make their room a little bit more cozy. And because I don't know if this is like anybody else's kids, but pretty much none of my kids have slept in their beds since summer has started. Where have they slept? Like everywhere. The twins have slept in their room, but my older three have slept usually on the downstairs couch. My middle one usually sleeps upstairs on like the recliner. Oh. And I don't know if it's just, I hope it's not just my kids. I don't think that was my experience as a kid. No? Yeah, I think I generally slept in my bed. But yeah, they've just been sleeping everywhere but their room. So I'm like, okay, we need to get back into our rooms because school's starting. Yeah. You can't just be sleeping all over the place. Yeah, Wyatt's been sleeping in the basement because it's been so hot upstairs in our house. So Mm -hmm. we told them like with school starting, it's starting to cool off at night more. And so we're trying to get him back into his bed. Yeah. And bedroom. It's going to be an interesting first week of school, I think, adjusting back to real life. Yeah, routine and everything. Yeah. One thing that I've been tracking all weekend, you're on corn TikTok. I'm on Gabby Hanna TikTok. So I am on corn TikTok and it's glorious. It's funny. I do see, I've seen a couple videos of this song and it was like, what was the original? So for anybody who's not on TikTok or is not on corn TikTok, it was like this news reporter interviewing this kid. Just about corn and what he liked about corn. And he, because he was eating, he was like on video and he said, what do you like about corn? And then the kid just rattles off a bunch of corn, a big lump with knobs. It has the juice. (laughs) You can't imagine a more beautiful thing. Ah, with butter and salt. Yeah, I've been on Corn TikTok. That's been really fun. But yeah, so I've heard the Gabby Hanna thing wasn't real and that it was all for promotion. I am not here to say whether somebody's mental health crisis is real or not. Right. But as somebody watching it, so I thought it was really interesting because we interviewed Maddie a few months ago and she was really open about her experience with psychosis and she was in real deep and Mm -hmm. the way she explained it and then watching Gabby Hanna's videos. So for anybody, so Gabby Hanna, I don't even know who she is. I guess she's a singer. She was on YouTube. She's a big YouTuber, yeah. And she's been a little controversial. And then I just saw somebody posted saying, I'm really worried about Gabby Hanna. So I was like, naturally, I need to look this up. Of course. So I went and I was following her videos. And I just don't think that you can fake her behavior so consistently. Because she was literally posting a video every four minutes for 24 hours. I think, like, when you're in psychosis, you're in this heightened sense. You don't sleep, you don't eat, you don't drink. You're just like, you're on a high. Or when you're manic, I should say. That's what allows you to, like, stay awake. And she was, I don't know. It just, like, I don't think she's that good of an actress. Right. 
And, and I'll say I didn't, I maybe watched three or four of the videos. So I didn't really yeah. see like fully all the way through what was happening there. Yeah. I think the thing that seemed strange to me. So she was just posting all these videos and she got a God complex and she thinks she went from being like the mother of Jesus to, to God's second mother, coming. the second coming. She was going to yeah. have Jesus's baby, right. all these things. She was, she had been to heaven and I could just, I don't know. It was just really interesting to watch from the lens of having talked to mm-hmm. Madison and interviewing Maddie about her experience with psychosis because I was like yeah Maddie explained it like that like now I can see how Gabby Hanna's brain is working and but then this guy Nick so apparently this other guy on TikTok saw these videos and was like oh I live in the same city found her address somehow allegedly went to her door knocked on it and said hi can I use your bathroom and his alleged intentions were to see about getting her help, see about bringing her down from this manic episode. But all he did was like film inside of her house and yeah, like, like he went expose her and yeah. Yeah, he went from like 30 followers to 4,000 followers in a few hours. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it was really interesting and I've been like watching it all weekend. Yeah. And I hope that if she is in a manic state or a psycho- like psychosis that I hope she gets help and is safe and taking care of herself. Absolutely. But isn't it Crazy. funny that TikTok just sends you down this path of oh, yeah. you're going to be on this side of TikTok. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I've been actively crazy. trying to get away from animal rescue TikTok. Oh, yeah. Because my heart cannot take these mm-hmm. videos of like, I found this dog tied to a train oh, track. Yeah. This yeah. horse was set to be slaughtered. Oh, this thing, like, I can't. I don't like mm-hmm. them. I try to swipe away. Like, TikTok, yeah. if you're listening, stop sending yeah. me animal rescue videos. No more. What's so funny is that I don't go on our TikTok as much to just, like, swipe. Mm. But I was swiping on our TikTok, and it's behind. Like, <gasps> it's actually behind. Am There's I behind videos- the curve? You are, and it explains you not understanding, like, <laughs> It's not because, just me. Because you haven't seen them yet, because it is. I think that mine is quite, like, up to date, maybe because I'm on it all the time. But I think ours is behind, and it's, yeah, the trends are a little bit delayed. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Maybe I'm just delayed. <laughs> maybe. They're like, oh, this girl's a little slow. We're going to have to take it slow. We're just going to have to show her yeah. a couple things at Not a time. Not too fast. Not yeah. too many trends. We don't want to yeah. confuse her. I do get confused easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anywho. You have other skills. I have other skills, including but not limited to, I was very popular this weekend with the children. It was requested that I make rainbow pancakes. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know that I was known for this, Mm -hmm. but I've made them for your kids. I've made them for my sister's kids. I've made them for Lindsay's kids. And one time I made them for Lindsay's niece, Nora, who Mm. is six turning seven, I think. Or maybe she's seven turning eight. But she was like, Carling, she's very, she doesn't say much to me. And she's like, are you making your rainbow pancakes tomorrow? (laughs) And I was like, I did not bring a single thing to make rainbow pancakes. But we made it happen. Somebody went to a store and her and I and two of the other kids made rainbow pancakes. And then I also, we, I, it was raining. So I was like, why don't we draw? And they told me to draw a T-Rex eating a banana that was scared. 
and the banana was scared. The banana was scared of being. Oh, eaten. okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it allowed. Then they wanted a monkey laughing at the scene. Okay. And then they also wanted another T Rex dressed in a banana costume. Oh my lanta! And I nailed it. Everybody was like too impressed with my drawing. Be I don't think okay. I can take full credit because I just googled how to draw T Rex, and right. then you Google it, it gives you a 45 step. You can't mm -hmm. go wrong. Mm -hmm. But apparently it was very impressive. Everybody was like, you're a good drawer. Nora was like, you could be an illustrator. Oh, I wow. Like, I was like, Nora, thank you so much. You're going to have like, to post it on our stories. I will post this picture because everybody was really blown away. So I may not be good at TikToks and following trends, but I can follow a how to draw guide right. from Google yeah. and make rainbow pancakes. That's amazing. All I right. That for you. We you can should. also, oh. maybe we'll talk about it after. No, what can I do? I was going to talk about our Patreon, but we're running long now. Okay, let's talk about our Patreon at the end. Okay. I'm going to say I was thinking about everything, and I know another thing that you can do, and that's edit the Patreon. Are you saying, end. oh, do you want to re-say that, or was that you saying it? No, I'm going to say it at the end. Oh, okay. But I'm telling you what I'm going to say. Okay. Is this for the intro or for the outro? For the outro. Okay. Oh, you're saying at the end of the end of the outro you want to do it? No, we could say it at the beginning of the outro. This is the intro. No, at the, are you wanting to say it at the end of the intro? I don't know. I'm up for anything. Have we ever done this? I don't think so. We're going to go to our episode, our interview with Rachel. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just loved her. Talking to her was so she great. Was and I didn't even know about this. And everybody should. So I'm so excited about this episode. Agreed. So let's get, in, let's get into it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, Rachel. Hello. How are you? I am good. How are you guys? Good. We're I'm good. so jealous that you're camping right now. I know. It's so nice out. My kids are out on the boat right now surfing. Oh, that's so nice. We're, I was going to say we're excited to meet you, but Michelle, do you already know Rachel? Do you guys know each other? Not really. Like your kids went to the same preschool as one of my kids. I remember seeing you in passing and then I've been following you on social media, like for a long time. We lived in the same town. So just one of those things. To like really meet or get to know each other, but know of right. each other. Yeah. Oh, that's I probably cool. know you more than, I don't know. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. I'm not a stalker. I I've been a pretty open book. So I feel like a lot of people know who I am and heard my story because I don't really keep anything. I do keep some stuff, but I tell my story. Yeah. I think a lot of our kids are the same age. So I've probably seen you post like in the mom circle group, but that's it. So yeah. you, you've seen my transition then. If you would like knew me back when I had yeah. short blonde bleach yes. hair and big cake boots and yeah. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. What? yeah. So Michelle only told me a little tiny bit about your story. So I would love it if you introduce yourself, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll get into this transformation. Okay, sounds good. I am a mom. I'm a mom of four daughters, divorced three years ago. I am a skincare slinger. <laughs> and, um, I don't know if you've heard of the company, but Annie Fields is a premium skincare, a multi-level marketing company and started in the U.S. And I joined them before they were coming to Canada. I heard about a year before they were coming. And so I just started 
using it myself had incredible results because I'm super acne prone. I just fell in love with the brand. And so when they came to Canada, I helped launch it here. It was really successful. And then we launched in Australia. So I took my family and my mom over there for seven months and we launched the brand over there, which was really Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, it was really great. Cool experience. My youngest daughter learned to crawl in Australia and to walk in New Zealand. So that's uh-huh. a cool story for her. Yeah. Um, I, I was doing a lot of traveling for work because I was opening a lot of markets around Canada and obviously Australia and just like really sick. And I actually lost a baby when I was five months pregnant. I was That was my fourth baby. And when the autopsy came back, my blood levels, ANA blood level was through the roof. And so that is a marker for an autoimmune disease. The doctor who delivered my baby sent me to a rheumatoid, a rheumatoid arthritis specialist, a rheumatologist. She was like, yep, this makes sense. I, every single joint of mine was hurting. The bottoms of my feet hurt. I was exhausted. I had food intolerance. It was like, I felt like I was dying a very slow death. And oh. I realized it after the baby died. It was almost kickstarted this like physical pain, Mm -hmm. but the emotional trauma of losing that baby, it didn't really click in my head, like the physical part. I got the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. It made sense, but was like pretty devastating. And then we went to Australia to launch RNF there. And I was laying in bed, unable to even take my kids to the beach. We lived like block away. And I'm like, oh. wasting this whole time. If I'm not working and pulling myself together to get on a flight to go across country to go from working in the bathroom bed onto a stage and then back into a bathroom bed, I'm like, just dying a slow death. Like this is crazy. And it hit me a story from a lady who shared about her breast implant illness. disease. I remembered it was about five years, probably before that, maybe four. at the time when I heard her story, I remember thinking, Oh, sucks to be her. I love my implants. I was so insecure before them. Like I would hate to, you know, if they were making me sick, sucks to be her fast forward, laying in bed, dying. And I'm like, maybe I have exactly what she had because uh-huh. I need, I need to go back there. So I actually went through her timeline, find, found her video and reread that. And it was like, oh my God, I have every symptom that she has. This is me. And so I started looking into it and researching everything I could. And it very clearly pointed to breast implant illness. And so when did you get breast implants? So I got breast implants when I was 23 years old. So I had them for about eight years by the time I really started feeling sick. Really, when I look back, like I had little children. I had two kids under three when I got them. And then I went on and had another baby and I was busy momming and being a wife and doing all the things. And so when I look back, I think like maybe I just was feeling crappy, but attributed to like, because we all like, I would talk about breast implant illness and some of the symptoms and moms would always tell me like, I feel that way too. And I don't have breast implants. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it just got to the point where it was so bad that I was like, this is how I'm going to die. This is not living at all. Wow. Yeah. I think that's so funny that you say that because I felt similar to that when I had my first exhausted all the time. And then my milk supply started going down and I lost a baby and he was losing weight. And then we realized that I had like hypothyroid, but so many of those symptoms you can just toss off as I'm an exhausted mother and not really pay attention and think about, Oh, like what are these symptoms really telling me? And do I need to go get looked at? And then even if you do go get it looked at, how many times does the doctor just say it's all in your head or exactly. you're a mom, yeah. you're busy, yeah. you're tired, this is normal. 
right? Yeah. And one of the common themes with breast implant illness, as I'm sure so many other illnesses that women deal with, is that the doctors were telling women, you're crazy. This is in your oh, head. Yeah. Crazy. And they, so they would put women on antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds instead of looking at the actual cause. And right. I think regardless of what illness it is, I think that's something that women have to battle with. Unfortunately, I'm not saying all doctors, I'm not saying I don't like doctors. I'm thankful for doctors. Yeah. But just based on my personal experience and my mom's personal experience, we really have to advocate for ourselves as women, especially to be heard yeah. because oh, yeah. women are tough. You can just deal with it. And it's crazy. Yeah. I even get that as a woman in a larger body, my doctor's first response all the time is like, if you lost weight, oh, it could be because of your weight. And sure. Like I do need to lose, I would like to lose weight and be healthier, but that doesn't explain sudden heart palpitations or sudden, like all these other things. But yeah, it's like their first go-to is to just look at what might be the most obvious excuse or reason or Or a way to get you up before. Yeah. And unfortunately that's, is our medical system right now too underfunded and under yeah. overworked. So a lot of times it get you in, but get you out quickly and yeah. want to look at the root cause. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you got the breast implants, was this a warning? Was this a possibility to look out for? They yeah. were just, they were like, we're going to put oh. these suckers in and oh you're going to be great. Yeah. You guys, it's crazy. I literally went in there as a like 23 year old girl. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is there, I asked, is there anything that could go wrong? And he said, no, there's absolutely nothing that can go wrong. These are, he's holding these implants. I have them actually. I should have brought them. They're at home. <laughs> uh, but he's holding these implants and he's like, these are the Cadillac of implants. You could cut through this and it's like a gummy bear inside. There's no way it can leave. It's super safe. You'll never have an issue. It's a lifetime device. You'll never have to swap them out. Those are all lies. You know, it's no implant is a lifetime device. So anyone that sees this, that has implants, that thinks, well, I'm fine, like sucks to you. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I said about the, my other girl that kind of opened my eyes. No, you have to go in every 10 years and have them renewed. You know, wow. We're putting these plastic sacks of goo, sewing them over our most vital organs. And you're going to tell me that is safe? Like, how does that even make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. So when I realized that this is what I had, I had a lot of shame because it was like, I did this to myself. I did sign up. How can I complain about this? I am like, chose to kill myself over vanity. Like this is embarrassing. Yeah. But it was actually pretty quickly once I accepted that they had to be removed and it went into space. Like I want them out now, right now. Yeah. And it was like a struggle waiting to get them out. So I moved through the shame and went live on Facebook and told everybody what was going on and what I found out about myself and what I was moving forward to do. And I was like shaking the whole time. Oh, like, oh, no. trying yeah. not to cry because it was embarrassing. You know, it was, it's not like I went out and like, I have breast implants, everyone. I actually hated them because I felt insecure when they were out, like I was being showy. So I always was wearing a top covering. Very few times did I actually show them off. Not a lot of people knew that I had them. So then to right, come right. out know on social media and so this is what's happening but I felt like it was so important because breast implant surgery is the number one I don't know if it still is but it was the number one surgery for like decades wow Wow. it's so easy for a surgeon it takes them really no time at all they just pop them in there so yeah up and send you out they make a killing on women being insecure and oh yeah so I think like all of us are insecure about something especially 
when you're a mom and you've been nursing babies and your boobs used to be up here and now they're down here, you know, (laughs) there was a time where I said the same thing. Like after I am done nursing my kids, I want my body to go back to the way it was. And I want my boobs to be up where they were before, but it's so important to know. I would have never thought that 10 years from now, you would have to go to a doctor and make sure that they're okay still. Yeah. And it was to your point, that's exactly why I like swallowed the fear and just went on and talked about it immediately because it was like, if I am going through this, how many women out there are going through this and have no idea because I I never heard about it before until that woman shared her experience. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I have to pay this forward and talk about this so that I can help save someone else because absolutely like at that point, I, it was so hard to even find a surgeon who was taking them out properly right. so I actually went to Costa Rica to have them removed and the wow. story even wilder from there <laughs> so I just I'm curious about if you hadn't gotten them removed would it eventually be a fatal situation and what is what were they made of and what was happening were they leaking were they decaying so I had the silicone cohesive gel so is what they're called They'll sometimes be called like a gummy bear implant because like he said, every single implant, whether you have stainless silicone cohesive gel, they all have the silicone shell. And so when they put them under, so mine were under the muscle, so they put them under the muscle, your body is like an oven in there. So it's constantly just heating up these implants. And so there's going to be, whether it's like a big leap, like some women have where it's all mush and falling out basically, yeah. or just really slow leak of this silicone it's every single second of the day it's like leaking slowly mm-hmm. into the body mm-hmm. so my implants were intact and when he pulled them out they weren't actually there wasn't anything broken necessarily but it's just that slow leak that's constantly coming out your body actually creates a capsule around the implant so it's a scar tissue capsule around it and right. that's to protect your body from all of these toxins that are leaking out and so when you go to get them removed, you have to have that capsule removed. You need everything to come out because it's going to need that, right? And right. very few doctors were taking out the capsule because it's a really serious surgery. It's pretty easy to just pop the implant out, but then to get the capsule out isn't because it can adhere to your body. Right. And God. so I was looking for a surgeon to do it properly because I didn't ever want to have surgery. Again. At the time, there were two surgeons in the U.S. and then this one surgeon in Costa Rica that had taken it very seriously. They were doing studies on the illness and backed up forever. And it was very expensive to go to the U.S. and I could go to Costa Rica and be in a recovery center and have a 24-hour nurse and food and everything included for basically the same price. So it made yeah. sense after I had the consultation. Felt really comfortable with him went to Costa Rica yeah, basically right after we got back from Australia we came home April 1st got home April 2nd I took my Rodan and Fields leaders on a trip they earned to Mexico and we hung out there for a week and then I came home got on a plane and went to Costa Rica wow met with the surgeon that day and then was in surgery the next day were the people in your life like you're I'm assuming you were married still at the time I was, yeah. And your mother, were they really encouraging of you doing this or were they afraid of you doing this or thinking maybe that's not the answer? My mom has implants as well and she has gone through a lot of her own illness. And so she was actually very supportive and she wants to get hers out. She hasn't still, but she it kind of sparked in her like, hey, this is where I want to move forward. My husband at the time, he was supportive of it because I was dead. There yeah. was really no, he couldn't deny that 
was the truth. And right. I even said to him, you know what, even if I go through all of this and one symptom goes away, that will be worth it for me. Right. So yeah, he was, and I was paying for it. So, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my to go gosh. To Rica, so whatever. Yeah. And so did funny. you talk to any medical professionals in Canada? Did they know about this? Did they offer any solutions or support? Yeah, I did call a clinic in Alberta. I won't say where, because it might be obvious of where it is. And they were just like, we're really booked up and we don't guarantee that we take the capsule out. If that's really important to you, we might not be the right fit. My so it was God. like every, yeah, every surgeon that I was looking into at the time, it was all like pretty hard now and taking the capsule out, which wow. after having my now I'm glad I was where I was because he was very confident in what he was doing and the capsule on the left side was actually stuck to the muscle on the outside and my ribs on the inside oh so, my god yeah the surgery was supposed to be two and a half hours it took him five and a half hours to get it all out but he did get everything out but he had to scrape my ribs so I can actually feel I have a totally flat spot on my rib right here where he had to shave it down to feel all of the skin or the capsule. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That and, to me is so crazy because you go under and they're like, everything's going to be fine. Like, we're just going to do this. And then you wake up and they're like, actually, we had to like literally scrape it out of you. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I knew that there was a possibility. I mean, he was a really great surgeon and he explained everything. He told me what the risks were. I knew going mm -hmm. in was a risk that I might not even come out of surgery. Wow. But at that point, it was like, I'm either dying, going to try to get better or I'm just going to die. So, right. Yeah. And did you feel immediately better? Well, it's funny because coming out of surgery, it was terrible. It was right. like, I'm not good. At, even when I came out of getting them done, it was, I was a wreck. So mm -hmm. when I came out of surgery, it was awful. And the whole thing, getting back to the recovery center and really busy traffic, terrible. But the next morning when I woke up, I like woke up at 6am and I'm like looking around and like looking at the clock, like what is going on? Because before I would have to roll myself out of bed like four alarms had to go off and I was always so exhausted there was no way I'd ever wake up naturally at six woke up and I just felt like alert the bottoms of my feet weren't hurting which was like the, one of the first things I noticed because I had the bottoms of my feet the pain was so bad I had to wear Birkenstocks everywhere I went I couldn't wear anything else I don't know someone gave me that tip because I was always complaining about my feet and they did help, yeah but it, like instantly like my feet feel good and I thought maybe I still have medicine like in my system yeah or something I'm just gonna wait and then I started noticing like my joints aren't that's interesting they were still a little bit but not as bad every day I just kind of noticed I was still feeling good however I was looking back in pictures just to refresh my memory the first morning after surgery the nurse came in to help me shower and I had on the left side that I was it was like quite swollen compared to the other side and we had talked about hematomas, basically a pocket that's filling with blood. Yeah. But everyone said, when you get one, because it goes like huge right away, you can't yeah. miss it. But it was really swollen. It was really painful. And I asked my nurse, like, do you think this is a hematoma? And she's like, no, it goes like this. Like, you'll know. So I'm like, okay, okay. So every day it was swollen and getting a little bit bigger and a little bit more tender. And I was going daily to talk to my doctor. And he's like, yeah, I don't know, this this isn't really looking good. And so I x-ray and a hematoma was picked up. We had to book a second surgery to have the hematoma removed. I went in for that surgery and it wasn't a hematoma. It was actually the muscle. He had to scrape it to get it off. So the muscle was just bleeding constantly. It wouldn't stop bleeding. Oh my God. 
So when you have those implants, you have these hollow spots that have now been taken out and your body is going to fill them with blood just because that's what it's going to do. It's not going to leave. If your muscles aren't falling back on themselves properly, that's where that blood is going to fill up. So he sent me in for a second surgery. They scraped and scrubbed the inside of the cavity with like bleach water. To try oh it. my God. I just want to hold my chest. I know right everything. Now. Every, every time you talk about your boobs, I'm like holding mine. Like. I know. I'm holding them right now too. I'm like, oh, like, oh. babies. That was yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I came out of that surgery wrapped incredibly tight with com- a compress on there. And it was so devastating coming out of that surgery because I was wrapped so tightly. I could not breathe. And oh. I the recovery nurse didn't speak English. She only spoke Spanish. Yeah. She didn't think that I was there. She wasn't very nice. Oh. And I'm like crying. I'm like, help me. I don't like, I can't move. I couldn't move myself. Right. Cause you can't use your arms after you've just had your whole chest like ripped up. So I went back to the recovery center and pretty immediately was in like 15 out of 10 on the scale pain, like out of this world, something's wrong next door in the recovery center, this really kind woman who was a massage therapist, she had come for like a nose job or something. So she could hear me crying and she came into my cabin and she was like massaging my feet and massaging my legs. And the nurse was coming in every hour, giving me morphine and nothing was touching it. So we went back to the hospital. My surgeon met us there and they were like, you might be having a pulmonary embolism. Oh my God. Yeah. We need to get you in for a CAT scan immediately to see if this is what's going on. And I'm like, I don't know about this. And they had given me two patches of fentanyl and it didn't touch the pain. Like, he's like, oh, you should be out cold. Like, you should yeah. be They wheeled me in for a CAT scan. And you have to put your arms like straight up, right? Oh. And I just had my entire chest cavity opened up. And oh, God. Up. So this poor guy that's doing the scan, he's telling me like arms up. And I'm like helping me stretch my arms up as I'm going into the CAT scan to have it oh. done. And it was like just terrible pain so yeah we did that luckily there was no embolism they got me up into my room and I kind of fell into like a fentanyl coma (laughs) and I ended up having two really bad infections in both of my drain sites so surgeon pulled the drains out of there and then they had to manually massage all of the infections out of the sites on both sides every three hours Every three hours, they would. For how long? I think it was about five days it took for it to fully be. I was on like three different antibiotics and it was crazy. Yeah. After all of that, though, I'm sure like you didn't regret having them removed. No. And honestly, there was a moment where I was in the hospital bed. My favorites, they called in the head of medicine from the other hospital to come in to be on my case they had a doctor in Florida that was on the case as well and my heart actually started giving them issues so now they're like checking my heart I'm like totally out of it and I just remember thinking like okay this is this might just be it and that's okay I tried but it was I was at peace it was like okay yeah I tried and I was gonna die anyways at least I tried and that was kind of my thinking but then my surgeon came in and I said to him, like, I don't think I'm going to see my kids again. Like, this is, this is probably it. And he was like, do you trust me? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. He's like, you will see your kids again. And then he went to his office and he brought back this antibiotic that was like a $10,000 antibiotic that a doctor had gifted him to use in case <gasps> of a really serious emergency. 
and used that on me and got killed that infection. So literally picture it being in like a little glass case, (laughs) breaking it with a hammer and he's like, this is a case of emergency. Yeah. For 10 grand, it should be sparkly. Yeah. Oh Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So were you in Costa Rica a lot longer than you were supposed to be? Yeah. So I was supposed to be there for 12 days and I ended up being there. I think it was for about 25 days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you're just paying out of pocket, right? There's no, like your Canada healthcare doesn't pay. Yeah. It was all out of pocket. Thankfully we did have insurance. And so our flights and stuff, we were able to move the flights back and that was taken care of. And I did end up covering a lot of the extra costs that we didn't anticipate because I got special medical travel insurance for this because I knew that the chances of something going bad were pretty. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. What was recovery like? So you got home. And how do you, yeah, what happens next? Okay, so it gets a little crazier. (laughs) (laughs) Impossible. (laughs) Right, I know. So I actually had a trip that I had earned from Rodan and Fields as a year in the company to the south of France. And it was coming up in June. And it was now the end of May. And I asked my surgeon, like, can I even go on this? And he said, I study in the south of France and Italy. I am telling you, if there is one place that you should be recovering, it's in the south of France. Yes. Go on the trip, enjoy yourself, be careful, whatever. So he sent me with a package of blood thinning needles because all that flying is good. That was one of the reasons why he didn't want to send me home any earlier and told me to go. So I did. We got home. I was home for a week maybe. And then we got on a plane and went to the south of France. Beautiful trip, super spoiled, had so much fun. But when I got home because every day I was cleaning my wounds and wrapping them and whatever and I noticed there was like a little spot and it looked like a stitch was trying to come out like maybe there was an internal stitch coming out so I was watching it and it was like this little bump and the bump just started getting bigger and bigger and I had a photo shoot that day for our convention that was coming up they do these life-size cutout pictures and So I went and got this photo done, but I'm like sending pictures of this bump to my surgeon. Like, is this something I should be concerned about? It got bigger and then it popped and it was like, there was like, sorry for this, but like oozing and gross. My surgeon was like, we need to go to the emergency room like right now. And so I'm Googling it. And on Google, it's telling me that this is MRSA. (gasps) MRSA is a antibiotic resistant bacteria. Yeah. Two of the antibiotics that can kill it, I have already been on for one month and the third I am allergic to. So I'm going, okay, this can't be it. This can't be it because I won't, how am I going to get rid of it if it is? So I went to the emergency room. The eMERGE doctor said they were, she took a swab of it, said she was going to test it and sent me home with a little medical kit with gauze and scissors and tweezers. And there you go, just go home and maybe deal with that yourself. Which like, is, what does that even mean? That's what I asked my surgeon. So I'm like, what, like experiment I, on yourself. Like, how do I deal with this? So he walked me through it, get in your shower and get everything out, squeeze it until it all comes out, have running hot water. Then you're going to need to sanitize yourself, sanitize the whole shower, keep it wrapped and continue to do that as it keeps going. So I did that. And wow, the pain was unreal when someone else is doing it to you, you just have to like bear down and kind of like take it yeah yeah yourself is like a whole new ball yeah game. because so your I, brain is like no we're not doing yeah, this pain pain stop yeah <laughs> we have that for a reason yeah to protect ourselves so I did that and then I actually had 
spots that had been filling up with fluid there and under my arms two pockets that my surgeon was like, go to your doctor and ask her to remove them, like aspirate them. Cause he had been doing that in his office kind of like every other day when I was going in, he's like, put her on zoom. I will walk her through the whole process. If she's uncomfortable, it's like a needle, you pop it in, you suck out all the fluid. Oh my God. So she refused to do it. She's like, no, I don't feel comfortable with this. I'm not doing it. I'm going to refer you to a plastic surgeon here. Apparently plastic surgeons here don't really want to mess with someone who's gone out of country to a plastic surgeon, which I do understand. But at the same time, I'm like, please help me. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they weren't getting back to her. When I went into the ER, I told them I was on a wait for this surgeon. She said, I'm going to push this through to them to see if we can get you in. They just weren't calling back. So I called and made a consultation for a nose job or something. I don't remember what I said. And I went in and I sat down and the doctor came in and I said, I know you don't want to see me, but I'm going to die. I need you to help me. And she was like, not happy with me. She, okay. Show yeah, me. You like bamboozled them. <laughs> I did. I did. Cause I was like, you have to like a die. So I remember I had little heels on, cute jeans, button up shirt. I undo my shirt to show her. She's sitting in front of me. She goes and gets like a swab kit and she comes in and she just pokes the cotton swab into the wound. And it like took my breath away. I'm like, oh my God. And she pulls it out. And I'm like literally seeing stars. That must have hurt, huh? And I'm like, yeah, that, that hurt. And she's like, we have a tunneling wound. So that's not good. So a tunneling wound is going to tunnel all the way down and bring that infection to the heart. The lungs, oh wherever. my God. So I, now I'm like really freaking out. I'm like, what am I going to do now? By the time I got from Calgary to Oak to pick up my daughter for school, I was in line waiting for her. And I got a call from the dermatologist's office saying, we just called the emergency room to follow up on your visit. And it is MRSA. That's what you have. So we're going to send this prescription to, to the drugstore. You're going to go get that topical and ingesting and just pray that this works. I did that. <laughs> that was probably one of the scarier times of all of it because I, when I was in Costa Rica, feeling like I was dying on a hospital bed, I knew that I had the medical staff and I knew I had a surgeon who had my back that was like, yeah. going to be sure I was okay. But when I was in Canada, I didn't have any medical staff or personnel who gave a shit. So it was like, if this doesn't work, I'm screwed. I remember going to visit my grandma and my grandma was all worried and I was trying to stay calm. And she's like, I have a friend who she had an infection like that. It went into her bones and she's in the hospice now. And I'm like, well, oh, my grandma. grandma. That's the best. So, much. so recovery was terrible because it was like in bed all the time. I have four little kids at this point on antibiotics and pain medication. I can't lift my kid because you can't lift anything. It was really hard. It was probably September when I started to feel like I was getting back to healthy. I'm going to assume you had some judgment between like medical professionals, family members, friends who were like, you shouldn't have gone there to get this med- like this surgery because of all these complications now. Was this something that could have happened anywhere? And what was the reaction from your family and friends and, and healthcare workers? Yeah, no one really voiced that to me because I think for the people that were close enough to me knew, knowing what was going on, there's no point at that yeah. time. I think we probably all- a real dick I- move, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I didn't 
once ever regret doing it. And I let everybody know that just so you're all aware, I am so happy that I did this. This recovery does suck, but I was warned that this could happen. And at the end of the day, I felt even though I like was now dealing with these crazy infections and like a total different spectrum of like health needs, I still felt so much better. I felt alive. (laughs) Whereas before it was like, I felt like I was dead walking around the healing side of it. It's funny because I was, I had such a tough recovery, but I felt so much better than how I felt with the impact that there hasn't been one second that I regretted it. Yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. It's interesting. Like you say, how you probably didn't realize at the time, how much, how sick you really were until they came out. So now this was how many years ago that they were taken out? They were taken out in 2018. So not that long ago, but have things changed now, especially in like Canada or awareness in plastic surgery offices when it comes to telling people that this could happen or treating it when it happens? Yeah. So I feel like the whole landscape has changed since doing the surgery because before my surgery, there was no information. There was like one Facebook group that is a huge Facebook group. I think when I joined it, there was like 10,000 people in it. And now I think there's like over a hundred thousand people. I haven't checked it out in a while. Maybe it's more than that, but, and it was all these women that were telling the exact same story of this is how I feel and everything connected. And so many of them, like my doctor doesn't believe me. My doctor's saying I'm crazy. And now there are doctors who are doing more explant surgeries than implant surgeries. Wow. It's one of the top requested surgeries now. Honestly, it's women, the women, like the one who shared her story and then going on to share my story. And then the women who heard my story and did it for themselves and shared their story. We're saving each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. a industry that wants to save us, but they had pressure put on them from women who were like, we're not putting up with this anymore. We are sick and we're getting the word out. Mm-hmm. And so the FDA has actually now put a black box warning on implants, which is the most severe warning of all their warnings. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's because incredible. Could you turn around? Could somebody turn around and sue the manufacturer, the surgeon? Oh, yeah. yeah. Many people have sued. But the thing is, when you go in, you sign your life away, right? It's right. like Apple. Apple owns me. I don't read the terms yeah. and conditions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So I, exactly. It. it very well could have been in the contract. Like these could make me sick, but, but the doctor saying, Oh, you're fine. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know not yeah. reading. so I think you sign your life fully first and they know to protect themselves. Yeah. But I do know that there have been some that have been sued for sure. And a lot of the manufacturers actually have offered for women to send their implants back to them and they'll send them a check, but they have to sign an NDA. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've heard of women getting like 10 grand when they send them back. They sign an NDA that they're not going to talk about it. They get, like, get their explant or whatever. And a lot of people, you know, it's it's expensive to do it. So absolutely. willing to sign that to get the money to get them out. But absolutely. That's yeah. so shady. Yeah. Yeah. That's so shady. Wow. I am hearing a lot more on social media women who are getting them removed because when you're 23, that long ago, there's not as much knowledge. There's probably not enough people who have had them to experience the bad where it's out there. I think it's so important that people are sharing now and helping women not feel crazy because of the way they're feeling physically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Would you give any advice to any human 
that says I want to go get breast augmentation? Honestly, I would tell them to go into this Facebook group and just read the post because I've seen so many people who they say, Hey, so my friend sent me to this page and read your guys' stories. And there's no way I'm canceling my appointment. I'm not getting implants anymore. There's not necessarily anything I can say to a woman who like truly feels so insecure that she's going to go through that and think it's going to help her, but to plant a seed of just check it out for yourself. Because I think even if I were told that, you know, down the road, you could get sick. I'd be like, whatever, I'm going to have big Ruby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, how sick am I really gonna get? That won't happen to me. Totally. You know, I probably would have. Yeah. Had I've actually had so many women reach out to me after they've heard my story to ask questions or to say I went and got my surgery after hearing yours and I feel great too. Or I've had some women message like I don't feel great. What's going on? I've had my out. But it's really comes down to like we have to make our own decisions for our bodies as women. And I yeah. don't ever want anyone to think that I'm like shaming them or judging them for making that decision. Mm-hmm. But just like logically think about it, like really yeah. just think about what you're doing. You are opening yeah. up your body and you are putting two sacks of goo on top of your internal organs, your most vital internal organs. Yeah. And you're going it up over that. Like, wh- how do you think that plays out in the long run? Yeah. yeah. And I wish I've always been very small chested. I didn't develop when my friends developed. I, you know, would wear the cup bras to pretend yeah. like I yeah. had, you know, something and I never did. But now... I love them. It's funny because they're ugly compared to what they were before. Because now I have scars there instead of just little boobs. There's scars too. Yeah. But it reminds me of like how strong I am and what I did go through to get to where I'm at. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that almost doesn't regret getting the implants because I feel like I learned so much through that journey. And it really pushed me to learn how to love myself. And through that process, I was able to then set boundaries for myself. I was able to stand up for myself. I was able to like truly care about myself. Whereas it all went together. Like I didn't love myself. So I let other people treat me like crap. I treated myself like crap. It all went together. And then when I had this happen and realized how strong I am, and really it also reaffirmed to me how incredibly strong we are mentally and how important that is in our lives day to day, because even though I was going through all of that crazy stuff, there was never a time that I allowed myself to go into victim mentality. I was never like, Oh, poor me. Why is this happening? I didn't let that happen because I knew, well, I accepted that I could die. And that was a real possibility. And there was times that I very much felt like, okay, it's happening now. I knew if I went in, slid into that victim mentality, I was for sure going to die. Yeah. Because when you tell your brain, I'm dying, this is it. I'm dead. I can't get over this. Your brain's like, all right. But if after the surgeon said, you trust me, you're going right. to see yourself. Then it was like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Um, um, kind of question about people who do decide to get them, especially people who are transitioning, who want to have that piece that they feel like they're missing. If they want to have breasts, would you give advice for them to say, either make sure that you're getting them checked frequently? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. I've actually thought about that a lot because as a woman with a very small chest before surgery and now again after, I understand that feeling of if I just had boobs, I would feel more womanly. Right. That would make me a woman. But that's not what makes us women. Like yeah. that and the divine energy and the feminine energy and all that stuff, like that is a part of being a woman. So for someone who's transitioning and wanting to have implants, I would just say hold off on doing that part of it. I have very little 
tiny little <laughs> and I'm very much a woman mm-hmm. and yeah. I would say to someone who's transitioning specifically not that I am an expert on that at all but I would just say you need to learn to love yourself as you're going through this transition enough to know who you are you're a woman you're transitioning love yourself first yeah and yeah get to the end of this and you still feel like that is going to make an impact then really do your research research first and if you think that the pros outweigh the risks then you know I'm not going to tell anyone what they should do yeah I really would encourage everyone transitioning or not don't do it because it's not worth it at the end of the day you can wear something under your clothes the person that you're with as far as like partner romantic yeah. whatever, they're gonna love you and your body health yeah yes know? and I was nervous about what I would look like after because I knew that a divorce was coming mm. and I thought oh now I'm not just dating as going to be dating as like a single mom with yeah kids now I'm like dating as a single mom with kids and no boobs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can almost relate to that a little bit because we're yeah. told in the media and just in like our culture here in North America and a lot of other places that boobs are what make women and it's so yeah. sexy but unless you can have big boobs unless you're feeding a baby put them away yeah, yeah exactly baby, unless, yeah but if you're showing us them and you're being sexy then you can yeah. have them and you're womanly so the whole thing on breast size equals being feminine or being a woman I just think it's a goal yeah, yeah. And I feel sexier now with very little breast tissue, almost none, than I did with my implants because I just love myself now. Yeah, I think that's so important. I wonder if like science surgeons, big companies are starting to think like, oh, words getting out. There's got to be an invention, something in the medical world to have breast augmentation that isn't silicone. You would hope. Yeah. Like, can you take it from my butt and put it in my boobs? That's the thing. The only thing is that it's not guaranteed to stay. So when you right. move it from the one spot, whether it's bum, hips, belly, wherever you're moving it from, sometimes your body will just absorb it and it's it doesn't actually stay there because that is definitely an option for people, especially as they're explanting. They'll often do the explant surgery and the fat transfer at the same time. Mm. But I've just heard a lot of stories of like it just not working out. And then yeah. where you're it from, now you have this big lumpy area where it's been taken out of. So I'm just of the mindset now, like just love our bodies the way they are and yeah, let's yeah. down to this patriarchal idea of what beauty is. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's so ridiculous. We are literally fueling a whole many industries based on us being insecure about our bodies, the diet, yeah. plastic surgery, all this stuff. It's devastating to us as women, but also to the daughters that we're raising. So yeah. for me, I'm just like, let's stop with all this junk about what is beautiful or what's whatever this standards standard yeah, yeah the yeah. standard beauty that I just I hate it I have four daughters like I said yeah. and being able to tell them my story has been so good for them because uh-huh. they have no interest in doing anything like that no yeah. color no nothing because they're like yeah yeah, yeah. So, wow that's amazing Rachel I'm so glad that we were able to connect yeah. and that you are sharing your story because I think it's gonna save a lot of people's health lives who knows i hope so thank you yeah. for having me on this was so fun to chat with you guys i know absolutely it was so great awesome. awesome well enjoy the rest of your day and we will talk to you really soon okay sounds good See you guys. okay bye bye hey michelle hey harling i cut you off in our intro well we cut each other off but you were gonna toot my own horn and tell me what else am i good at 
You are very good at editing our podcast, which includes editing our Patreon, which is a segue to say we have a Patreon. Oh, my God. We didn't even save room in our intro to talk about, like, the number one thing we should talk about, which is our Patreon. But I think that's just us. People love us. Love us for who we are. Love us or hate us. This is who we are. (laughs) But we do have a Patreon. We do. And just this past week, we just launched our 63rd episode. That's amazing. That's a lot of episodes. And like, they're so different from each other. There's so many different topics and different. We just released another true crime one that I thought was really fun to do. And we have a new Wet Wednesday coming out on the 5th. So if you want to sign up for It's definitely not on the 5th. I thought it was September 5th. (laughs) It is. September 14th. Well, son of a bitch. We have a new <laughs> Wet Wednesday that's coming out on September 14th, which was super fun and it went so far off the rails. So if you want to sign up for our highest $10 level, you get everything, bonus episodes, into draws, into draws. Uh, discounts off merch, and our Wet Wednesdays. Yeah. It is amazing. Oh my gosh. And a big shout out to Erica, who is our newest $10 a month patron. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Erica. My, like, I just wish I could just, I would, if I could, hire a plane or fly it myself and spell out thank you and then their first name over the house of everybody that supports us because that is how much it means to us. I agree. That would be insanely expensive. But I yeah. love your enthusiasm. Thank you. If it's the thought that counts, this is what I wish. Yes. But we have even a level at the $5 level. You still get two bonus episodes a month. Mm-hmm. You can binge all 63 episodes the day you sign up. I've got 63 hours. So that's like almost three days worth of straight listening. But I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I mean, do your thing. And also, Rachel, thank you so much for being today's oh guest. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And holy crap, I can't even imagine. Hopefully this message can get out to more people. I just remember watching. Do you remember when Tori Spelling had a reality show with her husband? Yeah. I remember her talking about her implants and how she had them for like 20 plus years. And they were like totally deflated and that she was feeling sick all the time. But she didn't want to get them removed. Oh and didn't God. want to go to the doctor or anything. So I don't, this was years and years ago. So I we don't know have if to send this episode to Tori. Right. So I don't know if she's done anything since then, but that was like one of the first times I'd ever heard of it. All right. We hope everybody has a great week. Yes, we do. Follow us on all and the social media. And have a good medias. back to school for all of the oh, students yeah. and teachers out there. It's yeah. It's if you haven't already started, it's this week, I think for most. In Canada, yeah, anyway. So, yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all of our uh, teacher friends, good luck and Godspeed. Oh, Godspeed. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, 
and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.